Yamai University. Now it was early my second week, so I didn't know any people. I just pray to God. Later, I feel I need to contact to a contact. I contacted the coordinator of uh, University Christian Fellowship. Then he came to my un my university pray with me. However, a person who said that over us, he over heard, heard our conversation. His name is Christopher. After we finished talking and praying, we tried to eat some lunch. However, Christopher, he approached us, to, do you want to start a Bible club? We said, yes, but we need at least two people to start a Bible club. He said he's interesting. Actually, we didn't know Christopher, just he overheard our conversation. Immediately, we said, um, uh, said the group, we registered with everything, said that we start the University Christian Fellowship in our uh, university. Nowadays, uh, group is pretty active, around sometimes 20 or 25 people, more people, more people get involved in the ministry. I just want to very praise God. I didn't do anything. I just uh, pray to him, follow what he wants me to do. He started the Bible club. Uh, I w now I want to share what a Bible was. God opened door, no one can able to shut it. However, we need to obey him. We need to follow his words. This is Revelation 3, 8. I know your works. Look, I have set before you any open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my words and have not denied my name. So, always, every time I think this, this experience, I feel God, oh, you can do because I'm able, not if God is able. So now let's uh, pray. We together worship God to obey his command. He opened up for you, no one can shut it. God, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for this time. We together worship you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, fire each of us so that we will we will go to obey you, obey your word to do to share your testimony with the whole world. Thank you, Jesus' name. Let's worship God together. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together with us. Hallelujah. We worship you this morning, Jesus. How many of you guys believe that God is worthy to be praised in this place? Come on, raise your hands with me. Come on, he's awesome. Let's sing this song about how good our God is. Hallelujah, Jesus. See, God wonders. Put those hands together. Say, you are holy. You are holy. Universe declares your majesty. You are holy. Holy. You are holy, Jesus. We praise you this
Can you guys just love the uh, love our King this morning? You just love Jesus this morning. Can you just raise our hands in this place? Come on, in your own words, in your own way. Come on, just tell Him how awesome He is. Come on, let's worship our God this morning. We love you, Jesus. You're so wonderful, God. We just want to be near you this morning. We just want to raise you up in this place. Oh, God, we love you, Lord. We love you.
release the fullness of your spirit, God. We want you more, God. We want you more. We need you more, Jesus. Holy God, Holy Spirit, fill this place, God. Reach out to him this morning, church. Come on, tell him we need you, God. We want to be in your presence. We want more of your spirit, Jesus.
Let me just break this down for you, man. When the presence of God used to come down in the Old Testament, people would die. I mean, you could not be in the presence of God in the Old Testament. But this morning, we're under the new covenant, man. We're under the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus died on that cross, he said, man, now because of my blood, you all could come. All of you could come into the presence of God because of my sacrifice. So this morning, I want you to just close your eyes with me. Raise those hands. Come on and just surrender to God and say, God, I'm coming, Lord. I come near to you, God. I want your glory to come. I want your presence to come. Come on, he's here already. Come on, the Holy Spirit is here already. All you got to do is just open up your heart and let him in. Come on, all over this place. Come on, let's open up our hearts to the Lord. Say, Holy Ghost, come on in. Let your glory come. Let your presence come and invade my life and invade my heart and take over. Come on, invade my heart, Jesus. Invade my heart. Invade my mind, God. I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to the presence of God. Holy Spirit power, we give you free reign in this place. Holy Ghost power, we give you authority in this room to come and move to come and change, to come and speak, to come and speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit.
words were for you, come on, just receive it right now. Come on, God just wants to take you into those quiet places. He wants to pour his love on you. There's forgiveness in the air. Come on, if that's you, come on, just raise up those hands. Come on, let him loose in your life right now. Come on. Let's come away with Jesus. Let's let him fan the flames of love for him in our lives today. Come on, just talk to him. Say, God, that's me, Lord. That's me, Jesus. That's me, Lord. That's me, Jesus, you're talking to. I receive what you have for me, God. And Lord, we receive it this morning. We receive it this morning, God. We come away with you. We're coming away with you. Deeper, deeper. Coming away with you. Deeper in your arms. Lord, I'm coming away with you. I'm coming away with you. I'm coming away with you. Deeper in your arms. Yeah. I'm coming away with you. I'm coming away.
And for some of you, it's just a word, love. But listen, this is what God's love is like. The Bible says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. He loved you on your worst day, doing your worst deed. Think about that. And then ask yourself, how did he feel about you on your worst day, doing your worst deed? Loving you, yet seeing you in your sin. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you enough to die for you. His love is here. Jesus purchased it. It's free. It's available. If you'll just believe it this morning, that God does love you. That God wants good for you. He has a plan for your life. He longs to forgive you, to bless you. Let's rejoice in that His love is in the air. His love is in the air. We thank you for your love, Jesus. We thank you for your love, Jesus. Can someone thank you? Say thank you for your love, Jesus. Someone confess it. Jesus, you love me. We say, Jesus, I love you. Someone say, Jesus, you love me. Say it, Jesus, you love me. and stand before me and just face me. Let's just give them a hand clap as they come. Amen. Let's just bless them. Moms, would you just come up here and just look at me for a minute? I just want to just bless you guys. I want to give you guys a a prayer first, and then we want to bless you with a gift, and then we're going to have everybody just clap again for you. You all can be seated real quick right now. Good to see the mothers in the house. Come on. Amen. Maybe just come around this way as well. We got so many moms in this house. Uh, Ricky, would you set down your base and move that for me? Let the women come right here. Come on, just line up around the, the podium. I love mamas. You know, I was just thinking today how much I don't understand what y'all do. <laughs> I mean, like another woman should be presenting this to you. But like, let me just tell you, women, you guys are amazing. You are amazing. First of all, you give birth to to us and and to children in a way like a man can't even handle it. A man can't even handle it. I mow the lawn. Just listen to this. I mow the lawn and I got to take Advil. Like when I am done mowing the lawn, I'm like, man, I hurt so bad. And so many of the women here, man, I've been even at the bedside after you've given birth to, to your children like Rachel and she was looking like she could like deliver four more. 
Lauren was like playing, Lauren was playing volleyball like in her eighth month, pregnant, right? All the way up until the end, you know? And then Desiree, where is Desiree at? Why is this, why are you not up here? You forgot you were a mom? Come on up here. I'm talking about you. Desiree came to church. She gave birth to her third child, right? And then she came to church within a week, like nine days later. Like She didn't miss two Sundays. She only missed one Sunday. I mean, it's just like amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like my man, Ricky, you know, like he hurt his shoulder. He was gone like for a month. Where is he at? He was like, he, he, you know what I'm saying? Like men, we don't, you get like a work injury. We don't see you like for three months. And then not only do you like birth children, but like you cook and you take care of them and your husbands, you know, those of you who are married. And, and let me just, just let you know, I, I got a revelation of this on Facebook because I'm like a techie guy. And this woman, I guess, made this post. And she was like, men, if you want to know how we think, imagine opening your computer with a thousand browsers at, open at the same time, you know, just like, you know, like multitasking. Like, you know, you, you cook, you take care of your husband, you love your children, you have a good attitude, you go to work, you, you just do more things than I can ever imagine. I just want to thank you on behalf of all the men here, all the children that you take care of. Can we just bless them today? Come on. And so today's message, I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to be long-winded because today's message is all about y'all, Proverbs 31. And we're just going to encourage you today to go big for God and let me just say this as we get ready to pray for you and bless you with some nice gifts today. We got your back in prayer. Your husbands, uh, you know, family members, we got your back in prayer. We may not be able to understand what you're doing, okay? Because this is all I understand to do with my kids and my wife is I just say, honey, take care of them. Okay, so like if he gets a boogie nose, I just pick him up and I hand him to Nancy. That's it. But I am praying, though. This is what I can do. This is what I can, I can pray for you. Okay, I can pray for you. And we have some single moms here. And we started a single mom life group with Cynthia Rodon and, and uh, Lauren. Let's give it up for single moms. Come on. We got your back. We will pray for you. We will fight for you. If a man ever lays a hand on you, we will beat him up for you. If you need somebody to babysit for you, we'll get another mom to do it for you. We'll tell them. We'll say, Mom, you babysit for this mom. We will do that for, like that. I, I got your back. Amen. Now let's all stand up. Let's do a Pentecostal thing. Stretch your hands towards these women right now. All the men that are elders and deacons come around them. And we're just going to lay our hands on their shoulders and just touch and agree that God's going to bless these awesome mothers with many more years of fruitful activity and caring for their family. Lord, we thank you for these mothers. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for the children they've born, the families they take care of, the jobs that they have, all that they do for you, Father God. I pray that you bless every single one of these mothers today, Lord, that they would just find fresh strength in you, Lord, that they would find provision, Father God, in their lives, Father, that they would find favor, God, wherever they go, that their jobs would favor them, God. The companies they work for would favor them. Their children would bless them, Father God. We pray for you to financially take care of them. We pray for you to give them supernatural strength. Holy Ghost sleep and rest at night, Father God. We thank you for these mothers. Bless them as you bless your mother, Mary, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for our mamas. Amen. Now, mamas, would you just turn around, just turn around. And those of you by the stage, take it like a step back. We're going to give you a beautiful rose. Come on, guys, with these gifts. We're giving you guys a rose. Let's give it up. 
We got candy and, and a rose for you. We're going to put on some party music. Andrew, can you do that, DJ? And then we're going to have everybody come up here and just tell you thank you for doing what you do. So uh, we'll wait for the party music right here. But will you guys start coming from your seats and just start to thank these mothers for what they do as we hang out for a little bit? Just tell them you love them and bless them today. Thank you so much, moms, for what you do. We just wanted to give you this as a token of our love. Come on from your seats and thank these mothers right now for what they do. God bless you guys.
Amen. How many love their mamas today? How many thank God for their mothers today? It's a good day, amen? Uh, you, you may find your seats, and uh, as you do, those of you with children, uh, we'll be dismissing them into their Sunday school class. So uh, uh, my wife Susie's back here, and she's got a little train of children behind her, and uh, she'll take care of them. So amen. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Very good to have you here. Now, you'll notice in the midst of us doing all this with the mothers and everything else, we're still taking time to preach the gospel because it's that important. Amen. You know why? Because going to heaven is important. Being right with God is important. Amen. And we want to give everybody here the opportunity to be right with God and go to heaven and not to hell with the devil. Amen. Let's look at John 14, 19. This gospel message will change your life. Amen. It is the power of God for salvation. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples. It says, because I live, you also will live. That is a power-packed statement there. And before I unpack it, I just want to take a minute to confess something on behalf of myself and other preachers that we speak very boldly and confidently of something we actually know very little about, and that's the afterlife. I don't know about you, but I haven't been to heaven or hell. I haven't died and come back to tell the story. And sometimes people bring that to my attention. They're saying, how can you tell me I'm going to heaven or hell? Your guess is as good as mine. And I, and I point them to what the Bible says. But more importantly, I point them to the person of Jesus. Jesus said this, No one has ever been to heaven except the one who came from heaven, referring to himself. He said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He says that I and the Father are one. He speaks of returning on clouds and glory with angels and judging the nations. Jesus made some bold claims. Now, you could say a lot of stuff, but backing it up is another thing entirely. Amen? So Jesus said these things, and he says this here. Because I live, you also will live. What was another claim of Jesus? He predicted his own death, that he'd be rejected and crucified, and that's what happened. But he also predicted that he would raise from the dead on the third day, and that's just what happened. And over 500 people saw it. I don't know about you, but I have this confidence unshakable confidence that when I die, when this life is over, when my body expires, I will be with Jesus because he lives. I also will live. But where's your confidence? This promise is to the disciples of Jesus. Are you a disciple this morning? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you believe Jesus with all your heart? Are you following him with all your life? If not, this promise is not for you, but if for the first time, even if it's the first time this morning, you call on Jesus as your Lord and you, you, you follow him as his disciple, then this promise is for you. Because he lives, you also will live. You have assurance of eternity with Jesus in heaven. We have um, some of our elders and deacons, Chris and Monique. We're going to have a time of fellowship. Guys, raise your hands so they see you. You guys just stand right there. They'll be able to pray with you. If you don't know how to talk to Jesus, how to, you know, be born again, how to be a disciple, they'll help you out. Amen. They'll plug you in and they'll show you how to live for God. But that's the first step this morning. Because he lives on the basis of his resurrection life, you also will live. No other religious leader or teacher has done that. No one else can make that promise and back it up. Let's stand up. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray and we're going to recite our confession of faith. 
I want you to respond to this. If you're not a disciple, if you don't believe in Jesus this morning, if you're just saying it but you don't believe it, this is for you. You need to do it. You need to take him at his word. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you, God, that he died and was dead, but now he lives forever. Hallelujah. And he holds the keys of death in the grave, and he gives his disciples the power to overcome death and live forever with him. And it's only through him. No one else can do it, and we can't do it for ourselves, God. So we pray this morning that you would unleash a faith that we would just take Jesus at his word this morning like never before, that we would trust in him like never before, that we would decide to follow him like never before. I pray for a faith in this room. I pray against unbelief in this room. I pray against the pride of people to want to do things their own way. I pray against the shame and the guilt that people think it's not for them, but it is for them. Jesus said it is. God, I pray that everyone in this room would know that Jesus' resurrection life can be for them. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would feel inclined to come to Chris and Monique, that they would not be ashamed before men. And you would not be ashamed uh, before your father of them. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you, God, for everyone who heard this today. And we pray, Lord, that they'll love you and be with you forever. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, let's do our confession of faith. Disciples believe this, amen? This is what disciples believe. This is what disciples speak. Is, any, is anyone a disciple this morning? Is anyone a first-time disciple this morning? Like, man, I just heard it. Like, this, this makes sense. I'm going to get it right. Any first-time disciple? Amen. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, uh, we'll make sure. Our confession of faith. Let's read it together on the count of three. Number uh, one. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in His death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, and which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. Find three people you don't know. Tell them you love them. Go to Chris and Monique and get saved once or maybe for the second or third time. Go ahead.
How many of you guys excited to be at church this morning? Amen, especially Metro Praise. Welcome to Metro Praise International. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Our services are every week on Sundays at 10 a.m. Fridays, we have our teenagers that meet at 7 p.m. Elevate. Come on. If you know any teenagers, invite them, bring them on out. Our vision here at Metro Praise is very simple. It is loving God and loving people. How many of you have felt the love of Jesus in this room today? Come on. Our response back to that is to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to be a church of disciples that follows that com- those two commandments to the core. We want to be disciples that love God and love people. We are so excited you have joined with us on that journey of discipleship to change the world for Jesus. Amen. Our strategy has three steps, connect, mentor, and send. Our desire is to connect you to the cross, to mentor you with the cross, and to send you out to share that cross. And the way that we connect you to the cross is through our weekly life groups. Somebody say life groups. There is one especially for you, whether you're a single mom, married, you want uh, you know deep, intimate service times, pick one that fits your schedule and your uh, place in life. How many of you guys have these handouts? If you could wave them in the air really quick. Our life groups are written right in the back of that. So you, every week you always know what's going on, what's coming up. Find a place that you can call your home because we are a church of disciples that share life together. Can we say that on the count of three? Disciples that share life together. One, two, three. Disciples that share life together. Your life will never be the same. Please find one and become a part of it. And then our mentorship program, uh, we call 101 and 201. Here is our 101 book. Find somebody, to a leader in this church to go through this with you. We want to be here with you for the long haul. And then our 201 is a class Sunday mornings where it continues to get in-depth. We teach you how to be a leader. And then we want to, you know, send you out with evangelism to learn how to tell people about Jesus. Amen. And one of the ways we have coming up as a church as a whole Somebody say, Boricua, we want you guys to come with us to the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Come on. It is our time every year to get together as a church, to spread the love of Jesus, to preach the gospel, to tell sinners to come have a relationship with Jesus. So I want you guys to mark this date in your calendar, June 15th, a Saturday where we're going to gather together as a body of believers and go out on the streets of Chicago to win the loss for Christ. If you believe we can do it, say amen. It is going to be a powerful time of evangelism training here, preparation prayer, and we're going to hit the streets and just go hard after God and to tell the world about the love of Jesus. Amen. So please, again, mark that in your calendars. If you have any questions about it, talk to Jared Walker. Check out our website, mpichurch.net. And just keep, you know, keep updated with it because it's going to come so fast right around the corner. If you work, ask for it off because you, your life will be changed. It is an awesome, powerful time of ministry. Amen. And at this time, we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. You guys should all have received your envelopes and your handouts here. We believe that the scripture teaches us that our tithe is 10% of our total income. And everything that you give after that is an offering unto the Lord between you and him. 
And our offering here at Metro Praise is designated towards missions and towards our building fund. And we have a, 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 just a strong heart for missions. We desire for the nations to come to Jesus, India, Pakistan, Nepal, all the nations of the world where we continue to bring out our, our materials. We send out our discipleship materials so that we can see the nations made disciples. So uh, we want to encourage you as a church, for those that have been giving, we thank you. For those that have not been faithful, I encourage you through scripture to put your first uh, before God, to seek his kingdom first. Amen. If you could turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to read uh, verses 7 through 8. We want to be a church of generous givers. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Say cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's be cheerful givers in the house of God. Let's put his kingdom first, not under compulsion, not reluctantly. This is... Uh, an act that you do between you and the Lord. Let's be faithful because he promises to bless you abundantly in return. Amen. Stand up to your feet with me this morning. Let's, re uh, let's recite this verse out loud together. If you feel that it's easier for you to give online, please go to our website. I may make your life a little bit more convenient to do that. We, uh, we offer that to you. Let's uh, recite the scripture verse together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We believe, Lord, that you have uh, blessed and prospered us. I pray that you will continue to do so, that you will meet our budget here for this month at Metro Praise International, that we will have more than enough to accomplish the vision that you have set for us to reach Chicago, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that 50 churches will be established in this city with 100,000 disciples, God, and 500 churches around the world. I pray that you bless and prosper every single person here on their jobs, bring them increase and raises. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come forward as you give to the Lord. Right, we have a special testimony. I'm going to call up these mothers right now. Let's give it up as they come. Rachel, Sue Ellen, Jessica, Vanessa, and Lauren. So I want you guys all stand in front here.
um, this is like a really cool testimony. I'm going to let Rachel tell it all. Uh, you know what, since there's like five of you, and I think this would be like a cool picture one, two of you stand right here, you come stand in the middle, and you two stand on this side. So just move this way. Perfect, right here. Bam. This is an awesome testimony. I want you guys to hear this. Rachel, are you ready to tell it? Can you do it with baby in hand, or do I need to hold him and make him cry? Because that's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> How are you guys this morning? Man, I have this crazy, awesome testimony to tell you guys. All of us right here, um, we've been friends for a long time, and um, we want to tell you that last year, January 2012, we had a winter retreat. It was super powerful. It was awesome. And we had a special speaker come. And the last night of our winter retreat, um, we had an altar call, and God was doing awesome things. And we were all standing there. Now, some of our history, some of us here up, up here have had miscarriages. Some of us up here have had fetal losses where we've lost a child. Um, and some of us up here were having issues conceiving. So all of us were coming to this winter retreat with expectation. And God, and we, I mean, I know all of us were individually praying like that God would do something amazing. So when we had this altar call, um, the special speaker actually pointed one of us out and was like, oh, I want to pray for you. And through praying for her, it turned out that um, he opened up the altar and said, whoever wants to ha be pregnant to conceive, please come up to the altar and we'll pray for you. And five of us walked up. And um, that special speaker prayed for us. And... Nine months later, my son was born first, and all the way down to Jeremiah was second, then Vanessa, then Lauren, and then in January, um, little Phoebe was born. So that is just an awesome testimony as to God using um, prayer. Amen. Awesome. Dude, isn't that so real? I mean, that's like God. Oh, my gosh. I just wanted to keep talking about it. I don't know. Should we pray or something? Like, I just... Look at how cute they are. Like every one of them, every one of them gets like the cutest baby of the award. This is like a little Andrew right here. This is like a little nest nest. But look at those little cheeks. Look at this cool guy right here. And this is like, uh, this is like uh, Salvador with a bow on. That's like Salvador with a bow. And this is Jared as a little man right here. Amen. Let's just pray for him. Father, we ask you to bless these mothers and this wonderful testimony it was a word of God fulfilled, showing us that you care about the, every aspect of our life. So give these uh, uh, young children a wonderful life, God. Let them be awesome uh, servants of yours and bless their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up. Amen. Father's Day, we'll talk about the work the fathers had to do. Sometimes father's got to put in work, you know, when mama's on that schedule. Any father know what I'm talking about? Mama comes around and says, it's time. I'm making people blush. But you know what I'm talking about? No, y'all don't know what I guess. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Open up your Bibles. Moving right along. Proverbs 31. Oh, man, I love mamas. I love mamas. And, you know, we're doing a series on Proverbs. So I'm like, what are we going to do for Mother's Day? Now, you know me. I usually don't get into, like, Mother's Day, Father's Day, redheaded stepchild, I feel alone day. We just, like, we just preach. We just give you what Jesus says day. That's every time you come Sunday, it's the S-O-N day, the Son of God day. You all with me? But I was like, man, this is a series on Proverbs, and one of the biggest passages in the book of Proverbs is about a mother. A woman of God who is awesome, and it's called a Proverbs 31 woman named after the chapter Proverbs 31. So I just felt the Lord tap on my heart and want to speak on this today. So turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 31, verse...
verse 10 as we talk to you today about a Proverbs 31 woman. And the notes are on the website, and I have it all there for you in blog form if you want to check it out. Or you can go to my Facebook, and I put it up there as well if you want to follow on your phone. Proverbs 31, verses 10 and onward, is written by Solomon, and he goes under the name here, King Lemuel. And the idea behind this is, is he's trying to be a poet. He's taking a look at women outside of... uh, a normal view that would be even at that time like a sexual kind of, uh, you know, provocative view. Uh, Sexualizing women was popular back then. You know, they had prostitution back then. And as a matter of fact, he at the beginning of the book talked about this adulterous woman who causes men to stumble. You know, she has like a lascivious heart. and, and, And also in the book he talks about men with perverted hearts. But here at the end of the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, he, uh, He starts off in verse 1, and he says, The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, the son of my womb. And so we believe King Lemuel is King Solomon, but it's his poetic name. Just like uh, today, sometimes authors take a different name when they're doing uh, their, their writing, or musicians take a different name. And he now gets into this description of a woman that is so opposite of even his culture and opposite very much even today of our culture because I think that a lot of times when we think about women they're sexualized you know you go to the checkout line and you see women being sexualized on the magazine covers and when women are put in front of media most of the time they're a certain image and I don't know about you but that's like weird for me to understand like a woman's supposed to be that way because I'm a man that hardly ever works out like I go to the gym like once a week if I'm lucky you know what I'm saying and if I have to like clean the house or do anything around the house like I count that as my workout you know so if my wife asked me to carry up laundry upstairs I'm like yeah I went to the gym today I'm all good I you know and and, and I just think about this like what does a woman go through like she has to look at these emaciated women that like are airbrushed and I know many of you have seen the dove uh, thing on YouTube where it shows just how non-natural this woman is and then she's made into like a, a supermodel has anybody seen that if you haven't seen it we all understand that the sexualizing of women in our modern society, it's, it's a fantasy. It's not really true. And, and I was studying this, and believe it or not, I was studying what women's physique have been like over the years. And I did it with a pure heart, okay, fellas? So if you're going to go into this, you go into it with a pure heart. Because I wanted to understand, like, what it'd be like to be a woman. You know, I just wanted to walk in their shoes. Like, what has it been like to be a woman? And I looked it up on Wikipedia, and you can see it. Do you know that, like, Marilyn Monroe, and I don't know about the dress sizes. I probably should have wrote this down a little bit more, but just follow me here. I think, I think women, like, you guys get what I'm saying. Like, Marilyn Monroe was a, would be considered, like, a plus-size model compared to, like, the supermodels today, right? And then if you go back even before then to, like, the time of the Renaissance when art was really, like, blowing up then, like, when Michelangelo was doing his thing, like, women, after they gave birth to, to babies and they had some extra skin on them, you know, those were like the most, they'll call them voluptuous, okay? Let me just say the word, voluptuous. These were the kind of women that they looked for in their artwork. So if you look up, and you just got to be careful, guys, if you look up like, uh, you know, like Renaissance art, and most of it was of the Bible, Renaissance art, and you look up like pictures of Adam and Eve, Eve is not like some slender Barbie-looking woman. She's got, she's got some meat on her, okay? Now, for women who are naturally skinny and want to be in shape, we're not going to hate on you because you're beautiful like that, you know? 
But you just got to understand, beautiful comes in all types of sizes, right? So there's like plus size beauty. There's there's like, you know, you wear a four size dress beauty. There's a 10 size dress beauty. There's all types of beauty, okay? And I'm just going to move past this really fast right now because I don't really know what I'm saying, but and I don't want to get in trouble because I got a lot of women like, what you go, what you saying, you know? But all I'm saying is that women's bodies have changed. And, and this is my last thing I want to say on this. So we, we live in Elgin now, and there's a suburban, like, pool in, indoors there. And it's, like, really awesome. And, uh, and Nancy, she's wearing her bathing suit. But she, of course, you know, just because she's modest, she's not going to come in there wearing a G-string bikini and all that. But she wears a bathing suit that covers her stomach, you know. Like, it's just a bathing suit that covers her, like a one-piece, right? You call it a one-piece. And I was like, man, that's really, that's really awesome. My wife picked out a one-piece, man. That's, you know, that shows that she's modest but we go to there and all the women are wearing one pieces even some of the skinnier women like real skinny skinny women and then i began to talk to my wife about this because you know i understand my wife's body the women all women even skinny women have stretch marks from having babies right and in our culture and i'm not saying they're ashamed but but in our culture it's like women if you have a stretch mark that you can't show your belly anymore and now, if you want to be modest and not show your belly, it's all right. But I've been to India where the exact opposite is considered modest there. Women only cover their upper part, and they leave their belly to show. And in their culture, the bigger belly you have is the more prosperous of a woman you are because that means you had more children. And if you had more children, that means you come from a good family. You're not just a poor person that can only have one or two. Isn't that so different in our world set, in our mindset today? Look at your neighbor and say, he tried. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I do best right here. I'm going to preach, okay? I just, I just wanted to be honest with you. I thought about mothers and the thing that they go through, and I just want to let you know I feel compassion for you, okay? I don't take off my shirt anyways, you know what I'm saying? Because man breastuses and stuff hanging out. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And what's funny, let me just say this now. When I was in Bible college and I was working out, I was forbidden. I was told you can't take off your shirt. Now I'm a pastor and I'm free to take off my shirt. Like I'm the guy going to the beach, like wearing a shirt now. It's like God played a mean trick on me. He's like, when you were a hot stud, you wore a shirt. Now when you're an old man with hair coming out your ear and your nose and everywhere, and you look like a beach, you know, walking down, the, you know, like I'm that guy now. I'm not even going to be talking about Speedos because for some reason they feel right. They do feel right. Don't see, I call some of y'all to stumble right there, but I'm just telling you when you've got a little extra hanging over, let me just say that when you've got a little extra hanging over, it's like, you don't want to try to wear like a surf short or something. You want to wear something that like contours to the belly. You want to wear something that contours to it. So I remember one day I was talking, I know I've already gone there. I've already gone there. Let me just finish it now. Remember, remember you and I were talking about this? Come on, let's get stand, Ish to stand up and just, just take the spotlight off of me. Let's give it up for Ish. <laughs> yes. And it, it, like, it, it felt right. You know, when I was trying on briefs like that, it felt right. And I'm like, why can't I wear this to the beach? Because that feels right. And then my wife told me the obvious reasons why I can't wear it to the beach. But I... I could be that guy in 30 seconds. I could be that guy wearing Speedos, hair on his back, the big belt. I could be that guy. And that scared me, guys. That really scared me. How did I become that guy? God only knows. Okay, you all with me right now? Verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find. So we're going to be talking today about a Proverbs 31 woman. This is specifically to a woman that's married. She's a wife with children. But I also want to make note of here 
that any mother here, this applies to you. Okay, So any mother, this applies to you. Even if you're a single mom, you can be this. And then for all the men here, I want you uh, men to look up at me, please. I want you to hear this message today for two reasons, two specific reasons. Number one, this should be the kind of woman that you look for to marry. And if you are married, you want to support your wife to be this kind of woman. And then number two, when you are a father, men, and you have a daughter, this is the kind of woman you want to raise her to be. So this is a message for everybody. This is a message for women. And if you don't have children, mothers, or, uh, uh, wives, or for whatever reason, this is still for you because you're a woman, okay? And then for men, this is for you to know the kind of woman to marry and the kind of uh, daughter to raise. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. That's verse 12. Keep going. Verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. Everybody say, her arms are strong. Thank you. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Everybody say she can laugh. Come on. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Everybody say blessed. Thank you. Her husband also and praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Here's the key part right here, verse 30 and 31. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen. That's why it's for all women here today. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now I'm going to ask that our DJ would just play a little music in the background. I want you to share the story about your mom to your neighbor right now. Tell your neighbor two things about your mom that you really, really like. Because as we talk about mothers and wives today, I want everybody just to share it, just in case you didn't get a chance to do that. Look to your neighbor and tell them two things about your mom that you really liked. Would you do that? My heart is of your 
Amen. Just take a few more moments to do that, please. If you could wrap it up and let's get into this message today. Now, I've pastored long enough to know that for some, today may be a tough day. Maybe your mother uh, wasn't always there or things were tough for your mom. But I want you to celebrate today uh, the mothers that are here with us, okay? So even though you may have had a tough time with your mom, don't let the devil discourage you today. It's okay to cry in church. We'll pray for you. But I just want you to understand there's something to be happy for, especially if you're a woman, because you can be the kind of mom that you never had in your life. For example, one of the young ladies that I got to meet when she was at Lane Tech High School, uh, her, her, two of her parents were on drugs, both of them, mom and dad, and she had to go from couch to couch to couch living uh, in, in, in a transient housing situation because her parents were on drugs. Eventually, her mom died because of a drug overdose. Then her dad died just a year later because of a drug overdose. But you know what? Just this year, she had her first baby. She's happily married. She's a Bible college graduate, and they're living a wonderful life. Though she came from ashes, now God has made it beautiful, okay? Amen. Just wanted to say that for those of you who've come from tough backgrounds. Here are the 21 qualities from the 21 verses we just read of a Proverbs uh, 31 woman. I'm going to give them to you. You can write them down, and then I'm going to talk about each one verse by verse. A Proverbs 31 woman is trustworthy, hardworking, selective, shrewd, a provider, savvy in business, strong in her work, diligent, multitask, compassionate, confident, beautiful, has a respected husband. She's prosperous, dignified, wise, involved, has a blessed family, is an overachiever, God-fearing, and she's honored. That's what a Proverbs 31 woman is. Amen? And so women today that may feel overwhelmed with your task in life and now even feel more overwhelmed with having to do all 21 of these things, guess what? The Holy Spirit that's in you is going to allow you and to give you the strength to do this. So God isn't saying, okay, moms, here's a 20-foot high uh, obstacle course you have to cross all by yourself. No, he is saying these are 21 steps in a ladder that I will walk with you every day of your life. And as a matter of fact, when you were born again, the righteousness of Christ that was imputed to you, that was given to you, included these 21 things. So you're not necessarily asking for them to come like pies out of the sky. You're asking God to, to develop in them, uh, develop them in you with the salvation he already gave you. Everybody say this with me. Out of salvation, I draw out everything good. See, the Bible says that salvation is like a well that flows rivers of living water. And this concept is not only to be remembered with something like this, but in all things that God asks us to do in salvation. We're not trying to pick the fruit of the Spirit off the tree somewhere else. The fruit of the Spirit is growing out of salvation in us. And we're not trying to go down into the deeps of our wells uh, in our own human effort to do good things. We're going into the wells of salvation to do good things. Amen? So everybody say this with me. I can do what he said. Amen. Let's look them over one at a time here just to encourage every woman here today and every man. Number one, she's trustworthy. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. 
when we're talking about a Proverbs 31 woman, in this context, she's married, and so she is trustworthy. She is not someone that we have to wonder about. Is she, uh, you know, dressing provocatively at the job and making other men to stumble? She's not an attention hog. She doesn't need all the men to look at her. She can be trustworthy. So women, let me encourage you here. Be trustworthy. Be the kind of women that you can be trusted in your family and trusted upon your job. And after I go through every one of these, if you believe in what I'm saying, can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Number two, hard working. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Once again, this is in the context of her being a wife. In our day and age, we believe that women are equal to men and what they can do in an occupation. We believe that women can be police women. They can serve in the military. We thank God that they're involved in all of these different aspects, politics. They're in universities, can teach. They can, they can do whatever they set their mind to do. But we believe that a woman has a special place in the home that only she can do. And I believe that as we come here to this church and, and we hear the word of God preached, we shouldn't be ashamed of these roles. And God said in the role of the family that the man is to be the head and he's to have that final authority to give direction and the wife is to concern herself with the family and upbringing of the children. Now, there may be men here that you love changing diapers. That may be your fantasy. You might have been a little baby boy changing diapers on little baby dolls when you were growing up, okay? But let me just tell you something, women, here, just to get you an understand. I'm a typical guy, okay? We weren't doing that. We were not playing with dolls, putting on diapers. You know what we were doing? We were blowing up stuff, setting stuff on fire, getting dirty, smelling stinky, wrestling with the dog, okay? That's what we were doing. So when we get into a marriage relationship, women, you got to let the man be the man. Let him be the protector. Let him be that person. You may make more money than him. You may be smarter than him, but let him be that and accept that role to take care of the children. Okay, if you try to domesticate your man, you are going to snip his manhood and it will not be good for him. And then you will come home one day and he will have an apron on and he'll be talking about Betty Crocker this and all of that. And you won't be happy either. Okay, and I'm not saying men who cook, you're wrong. I'm just saying that there needs to be specifically defined roles. And the woman of God. She has no problem with this. So I can give examples here in the church and in my own life. I'll just give an example here. Rachel, who was telling the testimony, college graduate, uh, you know, a nurse, works at a great hospital. But her and Ricky's marriage, Ricky has given her the place of providing and nurturing the children, providing that daily care, changing of the diapers, making sure he's fed, those things. And Ricky is there to help her, to assist her. And as she needs time off for him to, to come in and give her a break. But in that relationship, she's intelligent, she's strong, she's a self-made woman in that sense, but she's allowing that role to function, and they have a great marriage. And that's the same way with Nancy and I. And so if we accept those roles, those things of the past, I think we'll be a lot happier. She's hardworking. Can I hear an amen? We'll get to what she does in the business world in a a moment, but that's hardworking in the house. Uh, Number three, she is selective. So that means when in the context here, you know, the, the terms, let me just say this now, the terms they're going to be using about how she's doing her stuff is obviously, uh, uh, you know, about 2,500 years ago. So, you know, you may not be going to the market, ladies, to get yarn to sew stuff with and meeting merchant ships there at the dock at Lake Michigan, okay? But I think we can, we can connect the dots, right? 
Okay, so here it says she's selective in the wool and flax that she has to put together her children's clothes. Now, even though it's a different situation, the, the, the roles are still pretty much the same. Women, would you ask your men, your men in the, your life, your husband, your father, whoever, would you ask these men to sew your blouse if it ripped? No, you would not do that, right? You wouldn't say, hey, honey, my blouse ripped. Would you, would you sew this? Now, once again, if there's men here, because I know there's men in every group that like to sew blouses and, and, and change diapers and all that, we're just saying, God bless you. Just do what you do. But let's not pretend it's normal, okay? Let's just not do that here, okay? Let's not. I mean, you can do that, but we ain't going to pretend it's normal, all right? Amen. That's okay. I know some men in here that give their wives pedicures, and God bless you, men. God bless you for doing that. But that, no, oh, I ain't going to go there because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Preacher telling people's business is getting hot in here. Man. Okay, selective. So what that means is when she's going to find that wool, when she's going to find that flax, she's going to get the best kind out there. And today, we need to trust our women, our wives, to do what's best. And they need to have the ability to do what's best. And so we, we believe in women having their own bank account, having their own money, buying their cars, doing all of that. And the Proverbs 31 woman can be trusted. So let me just make it real clear here. So if, if you're on a budget as a family, right, husband and wife, and you only got $500 for the month, mama doesn't go to coach a purse place and spend $450 on a purse and then give her children $50 worth of ramen noodles for the month, okay? So she's selective. She may, she may not go to pay less in Walmart, but she may start there and then try to find a deal and go, oh, man, it's a little too cheap. This quality is not for me. Sometimes Walmart works, sometimes it don't. So she may go to the mall. But, hey, if she has a budget of 10000 a month and she can afford coach, then she always chooses the best. She is selective. Can I hear an amen? The next thing, very similar to this, is she is shrewd. Everybody go shrewd. A Proverbs 31 woman is like uh, the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. So she is the person that knows how to bring in good things at a good deal. Now, once again, there's this whole trend and phenomenon with couponing. Has anybody ever seen this thing with couponing? That's like almost like OCD stuff right there, you know. But if you can do it and be normal, like God bless you because that can be normal. But there are some people that take it to another level. They're getting the grocery store to give them money on the way out. I've watched this. I'm like, how is this right? You know, how is this right? But somehow it is. And, and that's okay. But let's say you don't take it to that extreme. The bottom line is a Proverbs 31 woman is true. She is like a merchant ship. That means she travels far distances to do her business. And when she brings in her business, she sells it to the people at the right cost. How many believe a Proverbs 31 woman should be shrewd? Amen. Next, she is a provider, number five. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Man, Nancy lives this out in my life every day. So I get to witness this, and I have so much respect for women. Nancy, last night, was getting the breakfast packets ready today to go to church. Uh, last night, getting the breakfast packets ready for church today. Then she gets up early and makes it all possible for our children to come to church. And so literally the only reason why I can come to church, be here on time and look the way I do is because for 45 minutes I am by myself doing nothing but trying to make this look good. Okay, that's all I'm doing. 
For 45 minutes, I'm working on this, slicking it down like, dear God, I shaved my head. I'm trying to do this, but I still can't do it right. And she is downstairs doing all the things she already did the night before, getting the breakfast ready, feeding them, getting them dressed, making sure the boogies are off the nose, changing, because we got three kids, changing the diapers, putting them in the car, and then sends me a text and says, I'm ready and I'm waiting for you. How many know she's a good mama and I got it good? Now, some of you women who don't think she should be doing that, don't you talk to my wife. I do not want you to come to her after service and go, girl, let me talk to you. Let me tell you how to hook him up. You tell him there ain't going to be no, no, none of this at night unless he gets up with you in the morning. No, no, we don't want to hear none of that because we got it good, okay? So we, we got it good. I don't want her blackmailing me with her body and all that. And that's wrong, by the way. That's wrong. Women don't ever do that. Bible says don't do that. But I wake up in the morning, and, and then I know, and then they're chanting my name. It's just, it's getting out of control, really. They call me. I do. I, I get this every morning. They, I go into the car because they've been waiting, and then I get, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I live in a weird world. Yes, I do. I like it though. It's like my little never, never land. But I like it, and I'm not leaving. Back to this provider. Now, once again, you know, people like to cook. Men like to cook. Women like to cook. That's fine. But I love it when women are okay with that role. And we always counsel, uh, talk about this in marriage counseling, work that out. You know, in today's society where men and women are working the same, yes, you have to share responsibilities. So a lot of the times, man, I'm like, honey, I'll cook for you. And what is cooking for me? It's one of two things, ordering out, right, ordering pizza, or just revving up the grill. It don't matter if it's 30 degrees, I'm turning on the grill. So guess what mama's Mother's Day meal is? Because I said, mom, you ain't cooking today, right? She's not cooking. But guess what her meal is? Hamburger and hot dogs. That's her, that's her meal because that's all I can do. But she's got to be okay with that because I can't cook anything other than that, you know? I mean, so that just is what it is. But she don't have to, to worry about it. And, and if you knew my wife, she's happy, man. You know, she loves that. And so what we want to do is support wives and mothers providing and, and get their back and support them. And I'll run to the grocery store because, you know, that's something I can do, you know. She can give me a list of items to get and I can help her out. But I believe that women should take the home and put it as their business, take it as their job and do it the best way possible. And let me just share this with you. Do you know why I think all of this right here could not only be applied to women but to everybody? Because all it's talking about in Proverbs 31 is about a person being a good leader. It's just leadership. And when you think about it, what is a good mom? She's a good leader. Because what does she have to do? All of these things. That's a good leader. And by the way, that's why so many great businesses understand this principle and are seeing more and more women CEOs, women in leadership, women in education, because they are tremendously gifted leaders. And by the way, the Bible has not been oppressive to women like Islam in these different cultures. Though it would be different from our modern culture, this information you're getting here is 2,500 years old, and it talks about women in an uplifting way, not just barefoot and pregnant in a kitchen. She is handling business. She is a leader, and she goes outside of the home. How many believe she should be a provider? Amen, because here's the next one right here, savvy. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings and plants a vineyard. See, this is uplifting women 2,500 years ago, talking about women as entrepreneurs, that they know how to buy and sell and take care of business. And how many people believe that women can do great jobs at that today? Amen. And so we want to support our, as husbands, let me just talk to husbands here. We want to support our wives and what they do on their job. 
Because if they've accepted this role to be the primary caregiver and provider in the home sense of the food and the clothes and the the cleanliness, if they've accepted that, then we should be their biggest cheerleaders and supporters when they want to do things outside of the home to uh, express their dreams and their love. Amen? See, I just come from a belief that the Bible works. I really do. I believe that the Bible works. And so if the, if, if, if the woman is supported at home, she doesn't have to be so stressed out. And let me just uh, say this, and, and some of you here today, don't take this the wrong way, but I just want to share my heart with you. If you're working so much that you have to provide daycare for your children, and it's almost like you would break even, or you're barely uh, making any more money than what you're giving away to daycare, why not consider working less and being at home more? Because our culture has taken away the honor from women really being great moms. And I'm just an advocate for that. I'm not against women's power. If you want to work, do the thing, that's all right. But a lot of the families I'm talking to now, it's like she's maybe making $30,000, $40,000, and they're sending their children to this daycare. And I know that we think that that's going to make a huge difference in their life. But trust me, moms, of the, the parents, the mom will make the greatest difference, right? So we believe that. So they're making thirty, dollars $40,000. And then they're paying twenty, thirty thousand dollars for that daycare a year. Would it be worth it just to work part time for ten thousand dollars and to have your children with you? I think it would be. Or to work less. I'm just suggesting it. Don't take it the wrong way. I'm just suggesting it. And you would say, Pastor, how could I do that? You could do it by being savvy. You could pray and ask God to make you savvy. There's a lot of creativity in businesses right now, a lot of online uh, uh, meetings that are happening. I know a mother, she works from home, and she's a part of a big corporation. There's a lot of changes going on in our culture. You can be savvy. Maybe God could give it to you on a Saturday, the day that the, the husband takes care of it. And maybe God could give you working one day a week that kind of income, and you would save money on the daycare. I just believe it comes through savviness. Do you believe women should be savvy? Not sassy, savvy, all right? Strong, look at this. Everybody goes, strong. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. How many men have ever ever had to carry, uh, what do we call this baby thing right here? What is that? The car seat. How many men have got wore out carrying that thing? I mean, I, come on, Yes, let's get some men admitting that we've got war out doing that. And my wife will carry that thing back and forth day after day after day. They are strong. And then men, I don't know if you've tried to hold a crying baby, but we don't have the cushions up here for that baby to lay against. So what that baby does is pushes and strains. And I cannot hold my baby that long. I'll just be honest with you. You guys think I'm a terrible father now. This has just made me look bad. But I will redeem myself Father's Day. I'll have my wife preach. But no, I've tried to hold on to my baby. He's like, you know, pushing and all this stuff. I'm just like, man, I'm going to set you down. I'm just going to set you. You just stay right there right now. I'm like, I'm done. But my wife, my wife, because, you know, the woman's hip is like made for it. My wife will just put him right on the hip. Bam. And then she's working. She got my baby right. Just working my baby mama doing it. Seriously. 
She was doing this the other day, and I was like blown away, baby on the hip, doing stuff. And for some reason, I can't even hold my baby very long. And then, and then carrying the car seat, and then putting together stuff. All the women they got put together these, you know, these different things like cribs and all of these these baby toys that come together. I mean, literally, I spent about six hours putting together this car seat and this thing one day. And I said, I don't even know how they do this. You know, th- this is a full time job. How many know being a mother is a full time job? I can't say it enough, man. I'm just impressed. If you believe your mama's strong, can I get a whoop whoop? Come on, aren't mothers strong? And if you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. Number eight, we're going to go all the way to 21. Number eight, diligent. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. How many know when the babies cry at night, the first one getting up is who? Mama. No, ain't no papa getting up. Once again, you living in a different world. You can think that. You can think that, but that ain't normal. So the baby cries. Yeah, come on. Nancy's been working all day with the kids, been changing diapers, doing all the things. I'm watching TV. I can hear the baby cry because I'm up. I'm watching TV 10 o'clock at night. She passed out at 9. What do I do? Kick her, wake her up. Honey, get up. Lucas is crying. But let's just hold up for a minute before you think I'm crazy. Before you think I'm crazy. What do you think I'm going to do if I go in that room? I'm not going to do anything to help the situation. Don't you remember? I can't even hold the baby. I can't coddle the baby. I'm just going to go in there and be like, look, you're all right. Put him back down. Nothing is bleeding. You're not bleeding. You're not broken. You're all right. Just keep crying. Just keep, just keep crying. I'll just put the TV up a little louder. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Now, once the child gets above three, four years old, I am your man. I am like, I am like, leave it to Beaver, Wally Ward. What was his name? The dad, Mr. Ward. I don't care. What is ever his name is, man? That's me. But in the infant ages, you got to leave it to mama. See, mama is diligent. Lamp burning at night. So many mothers working, man, doing their, 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 their work at night, making sure everything's ready in the morning for their job and also taking care of their children. How many believe women are diligent? Amen. Multitask. In her hand, she holds the distaff, and then she grabs the spindle with her fingers and makes it happen. We mentioned this before in the prayer time, like when you open up a computer and all those tabs open up. A woman's mind having to multitask all the time. And men, what do we have to do? What? Take out the garbage. And she still has to remind us when we forget to take out the garbage. So it's not even really like we helped her. It's like we're like 1,986 things to remember. Take out the garbage and she'll remind us. Mowing the lawn and taking out the garbage, that's all I have to do. If my wife had to stand up here and tell you, if all the women had to stand up here and tell you what they do in the house, our minds would be blown. Once again, why are women so great in the workplace? This is a fact. They have found it out. Sociologists, why are women easier to work with and better managers? Is because a woman's mind, because from childhood growing up, is multitasked. She thinks that way all the time. You cannot function in a mother's world without being multitasked. Can I hear an amen? She's compassionate. We, do, we know that about moms, man, right? Isn't that one of the biggest attributes we would say we love about our moms? Compassionate. Now, I didn't grow up with a mom really like that, okay? So, see, some of y'all grew up with moms like you skinned your knee. Oh, Tito, Tito, come here. No, that's not how I grew up. My mom said, you're going to be all right, too, so maybe this is where I comes from. 
So one time I was in church and we were wrestling. This was like when that MMA, mixed martial arts stuff came out and it was real popular. And, and I was wrestling this guy I shouldn't have. He knew all these moves. And he like tries to choke me out, man. And he gets me in a headlock and he hyper, you know, extends his body and my neck. And it just, oh my gosh, I felt like a snap. You know, it's like, oh. And I, and I just, I started like wheezing. I could barely breathe. This is like serious stuff. Okay, the joke's going to come later, but you can laugh now if you want. So it's in church. I'm now wheezing. I'm now like spitting up blood. Okay. So I'm, I'm like, man, I got to get out of here. I go home. My mom's spending the weekend there. And I'm like, Ma, I got choked. I'm spitting up blood. I can barely breathe. You know what my mom does? My mom gives me a lozenger like this. She goes, just go ahead and suck on this. You'll be all right. And then Nancy, God bless you. You're like that soft, sensitive mama I never had. My mom, my mama just neglected me to this right here. My, my, my soon-to-be wife, we were dating. She took me to the hospital. In the hospital, they give me an MRI. They put tubes up and down my nose. The pain still won't go away. They give me pain medication, Vicodin and all that. Wouldn't go away. They have to put an IV for morphine for the pain to finally go away. And this is what my mom, this is what my mom gave me. After taking Vicodin and getting an IV of morphine, this is what my mom wanted me to have to take that pain away. Some of y'all grew up with a mom like that. You understand. But women are to be compassionate. My mom was compassionate in her own way. In her own way. She was an awesome Italian mom. Compassionate. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And that's how I really saw that in my mom. I could talk about that too. My mom always helped the poor and took them in. And that's the compassion. Think about this. It's not only does she care about her own, she cares about others. Don't you see that in good women and good mothers? It's not okay that her baby is fed. If she knows somebody else that's not fed, she's got to take care of that family, take care of that child. Some of the greatest stories that I've ever seen of compassion have come from women and mothers reaching out and taking help, uh, caring for other people. How many believe uh, mothers should be compassionate? Amen. Number 11, confident. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. When a woman at home has done her job, she can say, man, it doesn't matter what happens in this weather, this economy, this situation. I know my children will be provided for. And let me just help some of you here today that might have been rocked by this economy. It's okay if you can't provide that trip to Disney World like you used to or if you can't shop at the stores like you used to. If that child is clothed and fed and warm and loved, that child is an awesome, uh, that child has been taken care of and you're an awesome mom. Can I get a hand clap for moms that make it happen? Amen. So, mama, you can be confident. I just want to encourage some mother with that because I know the economy has been hard on families, and so often the mother is the one that's having to feel the pinch the hardest, the hardest as she's having to make the cutbacks in the groceries, in the clothing, and those different things. You can still be confident that God is taking care of them because that's all we really need. And let's just think about it. Uh, Fifty years ago, or better yet, our grandparents, how were they raised? What did they have, right? They were given, like, what, lard in the morning with some bread, like some bacon, like, eat this, you know? Like, that's all they were given. Like, we got moms being vegan and vegetarians. I mean, you guys are going above and beyond. So how, I mean, how much better do you think we're, t- we're doing? We have knowledge now of all these things. You think people back then were always washing their hands? They weren't washing their hands and all that. So, Mom, you're doing a great job. But think about this. When they didn't have those things, how did they turn out? 
like your grandparents, right? Because you, you don't probably never met your grandparents' parents. Uh, I only met one of my great-grandmas. That was it, one great-grandma. Uh, but I know that whatever my great-grandparents did was awesome because my grandparents were awesome, right? You guys tracking with me? But I know my grandparents did not grow up in a house with iPhones and iPads and video games and Disney World trips and all this type of food and all these types of clothes and these big houses. Do you know, it's, it, it just amazes me how we keep needing more and more and more and more space when we used to live in just a, such a small space. And now we have all this storage stuff going on. If you can't fit it in your house, you put it in your storage. We all have to have a car. My grandmother never came from Poland, never even got her license. She took the bus the whole time. So parents and, and every hardworking person here, you can be confident what you're doing is good. Amen? Amen. I just want to encourage you with that. Number 12, she's beautiful. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothing fine linen and purple. There ain't nothing wrong. Once you're married, come on, guys. Isn't it great to be married to godly women? Amen. Can't nobody satisfy you like a godly woman. Amen. You can trust her. She looks good when she goes out, but she really looks good when she comes home. You know what I'm talking about? And she does that stuff for you, fellas. It's all right to be in love with your wife like that. And all the men here, you want to make sure you find a beautiful woman that takes care of herself. And all the women here, just take care of yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Brush your teeth. Clean your hair. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Making myself laugh. I'm not going to give you all beauty tips. I'm not going to make this weird. I'm just saying, just be beautiful like how you are. I wish I knew a Marvin Gaye song about being beautiful because I would sing it right now, you know, because I just want to sing it. Just be beautiful. Take care of yourself. How many believe women should take care of themselves and be beautiful? And we know at the end of this verse that the beauty we're talking about is not just in makeup and hair, though that's wonderful because she takes care of herself, but the beauty is that inner beauty, that character and love and all that, right? But it ain't nothing wrong with her being like hot on the outside too, right? And, there, and there's an old story we were told as preachers when we were growing up, you know, to make sure we, ma uh, we married the right one. This is what they told me in Bible college. They told me about this man that went after this woman and she could sing for Jesus. She was beautiful, but she she had that kind of like that Tammy Faye Baker look, you know, the big hair, the eyelashes, the bold lipstick and all of this. And so he married her more, you know, because of her beauty. And on the honeymoon night, she says, honey, I just want you to see me as I am. So she starts taking off her big wig that she had on. She's got her some scraggly hair. She takes out her false teeth, her false eyelashes. You know what I'm saying? She, she takes the stuff that she's been stuffing down there to be like Dolly Parton. She takes it out. And then he says, honey shut off the lights and just sing to me just sing again baby and so they would tell me in bible college you make sure you marry a godly woman that's how it went i don't know what the point was after that but that was the point you know look at me like there's another point there's no other point just marry a godly woman number 13 respected husband all the husbands go woo woo Look at this right here. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. This is awesome. So it speaks about the woman choosing the right man because the man is a leader. She has found a counterpart, an equal, a partner to share life with. And he's doing an excellence just as much as she is in her field of business and her uh, taking care of the home. The man is doing it the same way for his business in the home and outside of the home. And nothing breaks my heart more than when I see a great, awesome, 
godly woman married to a man that doesn't take Christianity serious, doesn't take his job serious, doesn't take life serious, because you see the woman, she's like, I'm giving it all I have. I'm praying. I'm going to work. I'm taking care of the kids. And he's not doing any of that. So men, let me just share this with you today. The greatest thing you can do for your mothers is to be a great young man for the Lord and grow up to be a strong man of God. The great thing, you, the best thing you can do for your wives is to be a respected husband to be a respectable husband. Don't embarrass your, your wives by being on the job, talking dirty with these guys. Don't do that. Don't, that embarrasses your wife. I'll never forget this. You know, Once I got married, I kind of entered the married circle club of, of the gym and different things You know, because wherever I would go, now men who were married wanted to talk about marriage. And I just remember how they would talk about their wives. You know, So oh, I just got here. I came to the gym to get away from my wife. I can't stand her. You know, Or one time I worked at a construction site and they were whistling at the women. And I said, man, I can't do that. I'm married, and that's ungodly. Well, I'm married, and my wife don't look like that. If she did, I would whistle at her. That's what married men were telling me. And then just the other day, I was, I was getting my, my mountain bike fixed, and the man was going, uh, talking about his, he's an owner, and he has a woman working there, the saleswoman. And he said to the two guys of us who are bike riders, he said, isn't she just beautiful? Isn't she amazing and just gorgeous and hot? And I said, man, I'm sorry I don't go that far and compliment another woman. I'm married. He goes, so am I but I just wanted to let her know that. You see, men, we, women can't trust a man that does that. You see, men, if, if you're known as a flirt, there's nothing wrong with being nice. And maybe some guys you can just, you know, get a little bit more into the fashion. I just, I just try to say to women, you look nice, and that's it, okay? Because I don't want to ever have my wife think that I am flirting with you or any person out in this society. Okay, so men, don't embarrass your wives. Don't shame your family. And the great way to think about this is, would you want your daughters to marry a man like you? Think about that. Would you want your daughters to marry a man like you? So here I have two precious daughters, Bethany and Hannah. Would I want them to grow up and marry a man that's like me? Hopefully, yes. But if, if I was cheating on my wife or cheating with my eyes or into pornography and not being respected, if I'm known as the boob at work and the lazy guy on the job and all of this nonsense, I'm embarrassing my husband. And I want to tell you, women, there's, there's churches like ours that are here. Here it says... He sits with the elders of the land. Churches like ours are here to raise up your husband, your men, your young men, to be elders and to be leaders and to teach them how to get a J-O-B, an A-P-T, and uh, something else, and a, a C-A-R. Come on. And then to keep their eyes to themselves. Amen. Respected husband, number 14. Let me just go through them quickly. Prosperous. That means she's successful. She doesn't give up. Hard work. Uh, success comes from hard work. She doesn't quit. She keeps working hard. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies the merchants with sashes. Man, she is awesome. She's making it happen. Dignified. She is not a loud mouth. She's not a gossip because, listen, women, this is how you embarrass your husbands. When you're telling their business to everybody in your family, you're embarrassing your husband. There are some things you should keep private between your husband and your marriage, and that's it. So do not be undignified and gossip and swearing and dirty. Live a life of joy. It says she laughs at the days to come. Why? Because she's clothed with strength and dignity. She's strong and she's dignified. And what does that word dignified mean, young men? Because you're going to be looking for women to marry. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Dignity means she's worthy of respect. There it is. Amen. I love these young men right here. Let's give it up for these young men right here in the front row. Never forget about them. 
She's wise. Number 16, she speaks with wisdom. Faithful instruction is on her tongue. How many received wise instruction from their parents? Amen. I mean, how many learned how to tie their shoe from their mom? My mom taught me how to tie their shoe, my shoe. How many learned how to cut their food and chew their food by, the, by your mom? How many learned your ABCs by your mom? Right? How many, how many learned how to do arithmetic by your mom? All of these things, most of them are taught by our moms. Our moms teach us so many great things. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. She's involved. Look at this. Number 17. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. That means she's involved. There's a new trend going around here, and I don't know if it's just happening on TV with the housewives of Orange County and whatever, but there is a trend now for women just to become wine drinkers and users of Prozac and wait to get their kids out the home so they can just retire and do whatever they want the rest of their life. Don't do that. First of all, depression is a lie from the devil for most people. Some people, just a small minority, may struggle with the depression, maybe postpartum, the hormones aren't right, or different things like that. But I haven't seen more women today deal with depression. Than, I mean, this is the most time I've ever seen women deal with depression. And it's because I think women have lost the insight of what it is even after you raise your children. You're not just defined by what you do for your children. Your house continues on even after your children leave. Why? Because you're involved in their lives as a mother-in-law, as a grandma, but more importantly, you're able to be involved in your husband's life, the church, and the business that you're doing. So I want to tell you, don't ever try to check out of life. This is for a certain few women here today, okay? This is maybe more of my mom's age group. Don't check out of being involved. The moment you think it's about you and just sitting back, you will notice depression will begin to come to you because your, 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 your duty as a mother doesn't stop just because children aren't in the home. And if you feel that uh, you still need to be involved in children's life, don't meddle into a married family's life. Start to adopt young children in the life group, uh, you know, your youth in the life group, or join the single moms group as a leader and help other moms. Don't try to be uh, overly involved into marriages into families that aren't your own, but grow in the ministry that God has given you. Can I hear an amen? I think you had to be a grandma to understand that. Involved. Okay, that's okay. That's the grandmas. How many grandmas do I got here? About four or five? All right. Come on. Amen. I love grandmas. Verse 28, a blessed family. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. So the, the reward of the Proverbs 31 woman is she is blessed. Amen. She's an overachiever. Listen to the closing here. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. So I want to close with this. Everybody check me out here. Please look up at me. You may have made sacrifices in your career, in your education, and some of the things you wanted to do. But those who did those things, you don't know the price that they've paid. Some of them have lost their families along the way. Listen to me, women. Because they didn't involve themselves as much in their children's life, they're facing issues with their children, or they had a divorce or something happened. But if you stick with your family, you stick with doing what is right, and you make those sacrifices, because I know you'll have to. I look at Nancy. She is making sacrifices from pursuing her own career at this season 
of her life. Maybe one day she's going to be a college professor, a teacher, go and get her master's. But right now she's making sacrifices. This is the reward she gets and every woman gets. And it's incomparable to winning an Emmy, to making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and having a society clap and applaud you. Here it is. When your family rises up and says these words, you are blessed. When your husband says, you are blessed. That's the greatest reward. I just wanted to encourage you with that today. I am here today serving the Lord because my mother was a stay-at-home mom, made sacrifices, worked when she had to, but for the most part was a stay-at-home mom. I serve the Lord today. She made a great difference in my life. She may never have an encyclopedia article written about her. She may never be known in the business world, but she is known among me and her husband, and she will be known as that in heaven. Amen? So we talked about your accomplishments in the world. Go as big as you can, but do not do it at the sacrifice of your family. So let me just say this too. This is for husbands and wives. All of us in this culture, because I talked about this in the, in the the, uh, the previous sermon when I talked about working, we are working as Americans more than we ever have before. Average American is working 60 hours a week right now. It's not worth our families. Amen. At some point we have to say, hey man, I'll do with just one phone in the family, one car and a one bedroom apartment if this is the family I'll have. A family that knows their mom and their dad, loves them and cares for them. The material things don't matter. And as a matter of fact, just backing it up, I sense this is going on in the generation under the, uh, the ones that are in high school right now. Now, the kids who have grown up with everything are starting to retreat back almost to a hippie lifestyle now and, and wanting less of those things. There's these trends going on of people wanting less, dressing less fancy, wearing less fancy clothes. doing. It's like less is becoming more among this generation. I think it's because they saw their parents, you know, guys my age and a little bit older, buy them all of these things, and their life was total emptiness. So you see these new high school students and these new college students being less materialistic. Statistics have proven they're less materialistic than my generation and older. Let us remember that. Amen. Here it is in closing. Would you all stand up to your feet? Band, would you come? Can we bless the Lord for mothers today? Amen. Woo. Come on. Mama, I'm sorry if I kept you here too long, but I know you probably knew you were coming here. You put that roast on slow cook, right? Left you with that two hour time frame. I'm trying to keep in that time frame. Here are the last two things. She is God fearing. I love this verse. Let's just read it together. Uh, put it up there for me, please. Proverbs 30, verse 30. Proverbs 30, verse 30. This is so amazing. She's an overachiever because many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. She has a blessed family. Look at verse 30. Charm is deceptive. Let's read together. One, two, three. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. How many believe that? Can I hear an amen? That's all that I wish and pray for every woman in here for you to be. If you can do that first and then do something great out here in the world, that is awesome. But I just want to tell you as your pastor, I want to make a commitment with you, uh, women here today. I want to make a commitment to you as a pastor. My heart for you is to be that woman that fears the Lord. We don't have cliques here. You, woman, you don't have to come dressed like a supermodel to be great in life. You don't have to try to lie with your personality to get your way, to be deceptive with your charm. If you fear the Lord, you will be an awesome woman of God. And I, as your pastor, I just want to partner with you to do that. 
partner with you to do that because that to me is what you're going to be judged on. And when we get to Father's Day, like I said, I'll talk about what men are going to be judged on. This is how it ends. Honor for her, for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Because she is God-fearing, she is honored. Before we get ready to close out today, can we pray? Amen. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes in this place. And let's just pray right now for our moms. Let's just thank the Lord for them and pray for them. Father, thank you for our mothers. Some of them have already gone home to be with you. We thank you for what they did in our lives. Come on, let's just thank God for our mothers. Father, we thank you for the mothers that are alive in our lives still to this day. Lord, I thank you for my mom, all that she's done, all the sacrifices she's made. Thank you, God. You know why we're thanking God for our moms? Because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And if you had an amazing mom, it came from God. Now today, if you are a mother here, we're going to pray for you again. Mothers, just raise your hand just as high as you can today. And if you're next to your wife, men, and she's a mother, or you're next to your mother, kids, just put your hand on her shoulder or anybody that's next to her that can. We're just going to bless them. Father, lift up these mothers today and all they do. Let them find strength in you. Let them find hope in you. Let them always be involved in good things. Let them not get discouraged when their kids grow up old, God. Let them be involved, God, in different ways. Lord, help them to raise these young ones that so many of them have. Give them strength. Give them compassion. Oh, Lord, honor them. Altar workers, would you come? I want to give an altar call today for any mother that would need prayer. We want you to come. We're going to close in worship. So women will be up here, but all the men come too because I want to give a specific altar call for anybody today. Obviously, we pray for healing of sickness. If you have a need, we'll pray for you today. But I want to give a specific altar call to men. If you are single in here, men, and you want today to be prayed for by another man, most of these men are married, that you will stay out of the dating rat race and find a godly woman, I want to pray for you today. Because men... You have a choice to what you value, and you set the tone. Because, men, if we keep saying to the culture by what we buy and do, that small, skinny, externally charming people is what we like, because how many know men are the ones controlling this, right? If we say no to this and say we're only going to choose beauty, as what the Bible says, those who fear the Lord, then we're going to start seeing women like our wives, being on the covers of magazines again. Amen? How many would like to see Robin on the cover of Good Housekeeping of Maxim Magazine? Amen. Right? I mean, this will blow your mind. Just go back to the fit. Just go 50s advertisement. Now, of course, they've always tried to trick us in advertising. But if you go back, you'll see more of a pure model because it's got corrupted more over time. I just want young men today to get prayer you will choose the right woman and that you will be a good husband. Amen? Okay, let's pray and dismiss. Father, we just lift up to you this service, all that happened here today. Let it remain in our hearts. Bless us we go our separate ways. Let every mother feel loved today and help us to live for you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, can you say amen and bless him? Come on, we love you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. 
God bless you. We're going to worship. If you need prayer, come on up and get some and take care of your moms today. God bless you. We'll pray for moms. We'll pray for men. Any need today. Yes, that's that song right there. If you want to worship, we'll put up these words for you so you can learn our new song today. Come on. again. I just feel God in this place. Oh, yes. If you can hear my voice, just hear this today. Whatever you're going through, Christ is with you. He will make you strong. For every mother, 
for every father, every young person. Let us find our hope in Christ today, no matter what storm we're facing. for us, please. 